Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. You know, we're kind of sitting around. I'm having a glass of wine. Um, let's just kind of just, just let's just talk um, instead of, um, you know, this is episode 10. Um, we're still in the middle of our weird uh, quarantine, yeah. social distancing, you know, sitting at home. Yeah, I think I think it's less uh, we're not we're not going to make this as like comedic and it's less hokey. I think it, it's there's there's a level of like seriousness to it. With like a tinge of just like everyone's personality. Wait a second. What? Who are you calling hokey? You're hokey. I am not hokey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you know this this episode was originally supposed to be recorded and released around Tom Wilson's birthday, which was March 25th. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with um, you know recent developments and social distancing and stuff, you know plans got uh, you know derailed and stuff. So we're sitting here. It's in, it's mid April. Um, I'm really glad that we're getting to sit down and discuss kind of what our plans are and what we wanted to talk about during the series. Yeah, when, uh, when we first started Keep Work Aloud, way back in what feels like a million years ago. It was almost a year, <laughs> one year, not a million. It was, it was almost a year ago, but it just certainly feels a lot longer. Uh, we, we would get a lot of emails from people with ideas for articles or, or just they wanted to collaborate in some way or another. They, they saw what we were doing. They're like, this is a cool idea. How can we collaborate? And one day we got an email from this guy named Zach Burke. And uh, he, he, he basically just said, I had heard this interview you guys did on KWPU, um, and I completely fell in love with what you guys are doing. I'm not trying to, like, uh, pat myself on the back here. But anyways, uh, he, he liked the, inter- the website, the interviews that we did. He thought it was all great. And, and then he proceeded to tell me about this guy, Tom Wilson, who I had no idea about. And he just basically listed off a literal who's who of 60s psych rock, folk rock, and, and basically some early pioneers of the quintessential 60s sound and he said this guy Tom Wilson he was the producer for these guys and I was I was hooked you know I was I was into exactly this thing um so I you know without further ado I want to introduce Zach Burke Zach Burke thanks for coming on with us thanks for having me and I don't think you're patting yourself on the back I remember that email that was basically how it went so I think you're okay (laughs) well we uh we really appreciated you reaching out to us and um, I remember, I, I remember missing the meeting at Dichotomy, um, but I do remember Jacob being really excited to meet with you. He, was, he really was. He was like, have you heard about this Tom Wilson guy? Did you see this email? This guy sounds so cool. How have I never heard of this guy before? Um, which is kind of like everyone's reaction when we tell them about Tom Wilson. Yeah. I mean, literally every, I, I don't think I've, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there in Waco who know who he is. I'm sure there are. Mm-hmm. Um, and be like, how have you not heard of this guy? But everyone I've talked to has no idea who he is. And that kind of was the same idea. I guess I'll just discover how I kind of fell down the Tom Wilson rabbit hole in a way. Um, oh, you know what, Zach? Before before you jump into that, why don't you tell us who the heck you are? Yeah, how how you got into where you, where you're at, and and 
and how he got to the point of like reaching out to us. Yeah, no, okay. I'll and then how you... he fell into the rabbit hole. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then let's get right to that rabbit hole. I gotcha. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, born and raised in the area. I lived and graduated in a small town of Riesel, which is on your way to Bryan College Station. I'm sure a lot of people know where that is. I uh, graduated with a class of 64 people, so it's not that big of a town. But um, so right out of high school, um, I always wanted to work in sports media. It was something I always wanted to do. It was the only dream I had. Uh, went to school a little bit for journalism, but uh, eventually got a internship at uh, ESPN Central Texas, our 1660 ESPN right after I graduated. So I was 18 years old. Uh, within a year, I had taught myself how to be the production director there, uh, basically, you know, producing commercials, music beds, just kind of everything that went out on the air, uh, self-taught that and continued to help behind the scenes with the sports stuff. And then when management took over, after about five years of being there, uh, was able and was given the opportunity to hop on and be a co-host for a talk show, which I did for about five years with, um, you know, some great guys and Craig Smoke and and your boy Q uh, worked obviously there with Paul Catalina and David Smoke gave me the opportunity to do all okay, that. It was great, great guy. Great uh, guy it, they're all they're all great guys there. But so I got to live out my dream for five years of basically being a uh, local radio. I, I don't want to say savant. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people disagreed with things I said, but it was just a dream come true in a way. Uh, then just because life is life, and sometimes you have to make you know different decisions. Um, I stepped away and I went and I started working for a sports publication company that was based out of New York. And I worked there for the past four years. Um, in that time, you know, kind of done some other stuff to still keep the sports juices alive. I uh, wrote periodically for a baseball website, did some work for the Waco Trib this year. But uh, now we're in a very weird time, obviously, with uh, this whole quarantine thing. So um, thankfully, I have time to work on projects that have been passion projects in a way with this being one of them. Yeah, so, so I'm hearing a lot of sports stuff. Tom Wilson obviously is music. Um, what, what, got, what got you so interested in, in, this, in this guy from, from this area from a music standpoint? I am a big music fan, obviously. Um, the only way I could express, and I mean, in the discussions we've had, we've talked a lot about music, and there's, yeah. you know, just, uh, there's a lot of things. I have a very collective mix of what I love. And to me, music is super important. I know that some people, you know, use books or TV or things like that. Mine is always music. It, you know, kind of blends in with how I feel and things like that. So music is kind of like a, a good drug in a way in my life. But I was bored one day, which, you know, some of the best discoveries happen this way. Going through my head thinking, who is the most famous person from Waco? And of course, like I knew or had some ties in there. And I knew of some obvious people, like I knew that, you know, Steve Martin was born here, um, right. then moved away early. You know, I knew that obviously, you know, Willie Nelson's from Abbott, but went to Baylor. People like talk about him or Jeff Dunham went to Baylor. You know, there's a list. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth, who I just watched in Jan Silent Bob Reboot, which was pretty funny. Uh, she is a Waco High graduate, you know, so there's things like that. And I came across where I was focusing on the musicians because that was something you know, big for me. I was trying to figure out, all right, maybe it's Willie. I don't know if I was in the mood to try to find something new to listen to or something. And I came across Tom Wilson producer. And I was like, I've never heard of this guy. Just out of curiosity, what has he produced? And it took me just reading his Wikipedia page and my jaw just kind of dropping and thinking to myself, how come now at 30 years old, this is the first time I've heard of him? Uh, especially since I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. You know, I, I love, uh, I loved listening to like Frank Zappa and Velvet Underground and just all these artists and yeah. I know we'll dive into it more but the fact that I knew all of these artists and all these great songs 
and I didn't know Tom Wilson kind of made me feel of like, you know, it was something I had to find out about. Because a lot of times, if there's a producer who's worked with that many great artists or just worked with a great artist, like, you know, everybody knows who Phil Spector is. Right. So I yeah. then began a quest to figure out how come more wasn't out there about Tom and just kind of figure out his life in general. So I personally have been trying to kind of put my blinders on with Tom Wilson info because I want to kind of experience it as we're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but just today I clicked on um, Bob Dylan's The Times Are a Change In, which is an iconic song. Mm -hmm. um, and I just clicked on the Wikipedia for that. And Tom Wilson's name is literally one of the first things listed. It's in the side, you know, main things. It's Tom Wilson produced this song. And it's like, this is the iconic major Bob Dylan song everywhere. Probably like one song. of the most iconic songs from the 60s. At the, at yeah. Like hands down. And Tom Wilson is not like co-producer. He's not a sub-producer or any other, you know, like it, his name is right there, you yep. know, and it's just like, how do we not know who he is as Wade Cohen's? <laughs> like, why is it, why does he not have like a statue or a plaque somewhere or a street named after him? It, it does not, it blows my mind. No, and that's part of the same thing that I thought too was, my whole goal, which kind of led to the email that I sent to you guys at first was, I felt like we needed to have him recognized in some way, shape or form. I didn't know how that was going to be. I didn't know what it was, but you know, you brought up times that are changing. He, we, there's so many just Dylan songs that he worked on. Uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues, Maggie's Farm, Mr. Tambourine Man. And I haven't even got to the best one because he's the producer on Like a Rolling Stone, which he had a huge part in which I'm sure we'll get to at some point in time in this, but just looking through like Dylan's discography and to see how many, you know, records he had a part in. And even with somebody who obviously knows their own sound, like there's a lot of musicians that obviously, you know, and you think of Dylan's one of those guys, like he knows what he wants to do. He still obviously liked whatever Tom brought to the table and he was a part of this and surrounded in all these great hits we know. So my thought was there has to be, like you said, like he deserves something for everything he's done in the music community and being from the city of Waco that, you know, especially, I can't even put into words, like how excited and just blown away I was the first time I read through all that and thought to myself, how come there isn't something somewhere? How come I didn't learn about him as a kid? You know, because I went to all the museums and everything here in Waco and I, or, you know, and I heard all the stories growing up about a lot of stuff, but never mentioned of Tom Wilson. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the, uh, it's like almost unfortunate that uh, how different uh, a city musically we could have been had we, I don't know, maybe just embraced this this type of producer well that's the kind of thing that I, I want to kind of investigate you know what i mean i kind of want to figure out why you know like today when i went on a, a dive of his wikipedia page apparently the he's buried in um doris miller memorial right. and the date on his tombstone is wrong mm -hmm. is that is that true yeah apparently the uh, date yeah. is wrong by three years and oh, so yeah. it's like did they wait to put even put a tombstone? I mean, that's impossible. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. There's okay. So there there are a lot of things. Katie's kind of teasing out this whole thing. <laughs> that, uh, I'm wanting. so hooked to try to figure this like mystery yeah, we, out. Um, so I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, give it away here. We are working on a potential podcast series for this. You and I and local. Uh, well, he's not. He's from California originally, but local local artist Ty Nathan Clark. We sat down. We had a quite a, quite a few meetings mm -hmm. to talk about how we wanted to represent him because all three of us are like huge avid music fans. Um, and Ty Nathan Clark, in his own respect, is uh, a documentarian. He's worked on several award winning award winning. <laughs> and he's also working on a documentary of, um, about the jump shot. 
um, which I will uh, in the post give more information about. Um, but he, we had sat down, had several meetings, and we thought maybe this could be like a documentary. And then Ty just sort of kind of simplified it, and I think is really where it really uh, simplified it for me too. He was like, this sounds like a podcast start. Let's start this as a podcast. Yeah. And, and I was like, wow, yeah. That was even before uh, Keep Wake Aloud, the podcast was even I mean, Keep Wake Aloud, Aloud was a baby at this point. Yeah. I don't even think we knew Mike at this point. Yeah, I don't think, oh, I, I had to have maybe one meeting with Mike, um, Hamilton, I produced Mike. Um, <laughs> Why did you have to clear to Mike? <laughs> I, you know, I like, you like you want, what? I said, you want to give out my address real quick? I have paper, I can jot it down. Yeah, that'd be great. Mike Hamilton, so oh, security shoot, I forgot, number. I forgot producer Mike was listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was very early on, and he sort of just had that, like, that little twist of this idea in it, and it really set us down this path. Obviously, we got very busy with Keep Work Aloud, and Zach, I'm sure you got very busy, and Ty got very busy, and we sort of set this on the, on the back burners a little bit. And now none of us are busy, so this is the perfect time. <laughs> Zach, that's true. <laughs> well, okay, so just to kind of, and I guess so, I guess we've, we're kind of laying the groundwork here. We're building the foundation for what could be a really great series, in my opinion. Of course, we haven't done the series, so I guess we'll just see where it goes. Um, so I have a connection to the Velvet Underground. Um, my mom is friends with Mo Tucker. Maureen is her actual name. And I was given her phone number today and she is expecting my call. Uh, she said she does not listen to voicemails. So if she doesn't answer, don't leave a voicemail. Just call her back. <laughs> <laughs> but she is interested in talking. She does remember Tom Wilson. So I'm really excited to talk to her. It's funny that you bring her up and that's going to be fantastic to hear what she has to say. Um, and today just kind of going over everything and rereading through my notes. I have, I had where, Oh, uh, John Kelk said that they never had a producer better than Tom Wilson after that, after those first. Oh. So that's, that's something cool. to keep in mind then too. And I'm, I'm hoping that obviously she'll have some, you know, just some cool little stories to add in there. She's got to have some cool stories. Yeah. I mean, she was such, I mean, as a female, a famous female drummer. Oh, hell yeah. Who, she's, I mean, and she was so cool. Like, yeah. the pictures of her from, like, the 60s I and mean, 70s. She, she basically, as a drummer, and she had such a unique style of drumming uh, that was so different than any other, like, drummer at the time. Uh, she basically laid the groundwork for, like, what punk drumming would be later on. And this is just me gushing over over her. Just because like Velvet Underground, just in general, um, was the band that anyone that ever started a band after them cited as like <laughs> I heard that band, I want to start a band. Like that was it. Like they just did so much and you know Well you know, not to make you jealous, Jacob, but I did meet Mo Tucker in a Kmart once. I'm quite jealous. <laughs> she uh, she lives in my uh, in my hometown of Douglas, Georgia, and my mom taught her daughter and they're in various groups together now in South Georgia. I, I don't even think I even appreciated who Velvet Underground was when I met Mo Tucker. Uh, I was in high school and in my, uh, in our local like pizza, pizzeria, Danny's Pizza. Danny's Pizza. Danny's Pizza, Jacob's been there. Um, there is a signed Velvet Underground album and a few Velvet Underground memorabilia on I the wall. I took a picture of it. Yeah, and, I mean, it's pretty cool, but I just, the only reason why I knew who Velvet Underground was at that point was because I'd seen the signed memorabilia on the wall. I gotcha. I just, I'm not going to lie to you. So, <laughs> so, Zach, you have been researching Tom Wilson now for a good bit of time. Yeah. And when you, me, and Mike had a conversation last, you just had all these great, interesting stories. 
you you were just basically busting at the seams to to release these like stories that you accumulated. Yeah. Um, I want you not to give your most interesting story. Or the second most interesting. Second, I, I want to save that. You know, we want that to be later. Why don't you give me like your like fifth or sixth most interesting story you can think of. Okay. That, that you sort of like came upon uh, while, while doing some research. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, I can tell one uh, of a near miss that would have just added to Tom Olson's legacy. That's kind of a very interesting story. Yeah, go for it. So Tom had produced or was producing the animals, you know, House of the Rising Sun. They had a lot of oh, yeah. other hits and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the drummer, I believe he was the drummer for the animals, um, was Chaz Chandler. Um, I'm sorry, no, bass. He played bass. Um, and he had broken away from the band and decided he was going to be a talent scout. But he kept in touch with Tom while he was doing this. And he'd be like, you know, when Tom was working on records, he'd call him, hey, you need to come check out this guy. And Tom would either go or, or not go. But, you know, they kind of kept in contact. So Chaz is at Cafe Wa in Green, uh, Greenwich Village. I'm trying to think sometime in, in 1966. And he's seen a guy performed by the name of Jimmy Jane. And he is stoked by this and thinks he's fantastic. And he calls Tom and he's like, Tom, you got to come down here. You got to hear this kid. He's going to be a huge rock star. Tom says, I'd love to, Chaz. I'm super swamped here. You know, I guess maybe some of the other guys he'd called him about didn't really pan out like he wanted it to. Tom just kind of hung up the phone and thought, you know, I got work to do. Chaz can handle that. Uh, Jimmy James, for people you don't know, um, was a stage name, and the artist ended up changing his name to his actual name and went by Jimi Hendrix afterwards. Um, and so Chaz Chandler ended up signing Jimi Hendrix and taking him back to uh, Britain with him and convincing him to change his name back to Jimi Hendrix and naming the band the Jimi Hendrix Experience and then everything took off. So. Incredible. Um, that's not to admit all the great things that Tom Wilson has done. That is one thing that didn't happen, but that could have and would have just even cemented his reputation even more. And that, and that like just speaks to like what he was capable. Like he was magnetized in that way. Yeah. To accept a talent like that. That's that's so interesting. Or that he was so busy and so great that he was able to be like, eh. See you well, later, Jimmy. <laughs> See you later, Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> the thing I think too is is that he had an impact in some way, shape, or form, or at least you know, Chaz Chandler thought, you know, hey, I enjoyed working with Tom. Like guys, I find I'm going to send that way. So they obviously had a working a great relationship there too. If he was trying to push him that way, um, and I think it just speaks to like I brought up, you know, John Kill with the Velvet Underground. A lot of people, and this is really just kind of, you know, a little bit all over the place, um, in just that it's not one musician but it's cool to tell of all the people that talked about, you know, how much they liked him without getting into too many, you know, actual specifics. Cause there's a great song with like a Rolling Stone that obviously we'll save for the series. I mean, it's a fantastic story, but uh, the thought is that he kind of opened up Dylan's mind a little bit and uh, Dylan opened up his about kind of pushing electric a little bit more um, with some of the wow. sessions they recorded that obviously, you know, we know how that turned out, even though, you know, uh, people at the, uh, Oh, the, the film, not the film festival, the uh, folk festival, the no, no folk, I can't even think of it right now. Uh, yeah. Street, whatever. The, 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 yeah. the so is that, no, hit me when we're done with this. Um, you know, <laughs> but obviously the music took off and it led him down a whole nother career path. And some of that, you know, wasn't part to the conversations and just opening up of each other. That they, uh, so this, this, this would have been like that moment uh, in Bob Dylan's career where he was like sort of transforming into a, an electric guitarist yeah is that okay right yeah that is a like a, a wildly pivotal moment in like rock and roll no it, it's it's like they talked about you know bob had said that he felt like he had opened he had pushed electric more and he felt like 
Tom had helped him, or he had helped Tom kind of open his world more to folk music, which was funny because the story goes that Bob Dylan uh, told, and I guess that Tom had told him this, is that Tom at first, because he's a jazz guy, and so I don't know if it's all jazz guys in general, but he kind of looked down on folk music in a way if he thought that that's, that's music for stupid people. He goes, and then he listened, oh, I saw he, that. Yeah. he listened to Bob Dylan and was like, and was like, okay, he's not one, like he heard his message and he thought, or his lyrics and stuff. And he's like, okay, this is actually really good. I was wrong about them. I think he said, he said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a white Ray Charles. Let's go ahead and get it booked or something to that. You know? And so, but you know, I, I think Dylan was able to open up Tom Wilson's mind and it, it shows them with the artists he worked on later or worked with later than in his career, obviously with Velvet Underground and Frank Zappa and you know, um, he, I think he recorded one of Nico's albums. Just a yeah, lot. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, anybody got a connection for uh, Bob Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Oh, I wish. Right, but right, so my assignment is to try to get Bob Dylan. That's that's going to be my goal of this podcast. Is I am personally going to make it my goal that I'm going to get Bob Dylan on this podcast, or at least on the record. I will guarantee you something. I will cry tears of joy. I'm just going to guarantee that. Right <laughs> All right. So that is so, my one assignment. We'll, we'll have an update each so episode. <laughs> let, let's, uh, let's scale it back a little bit here. Okay. So, so we've talked about all of these incredible, amazing things that this Wicko and Tom Wilson has done or did. What, what sort of ideas do you have of him being from Waco? Um, that, that, without giving away too much. Mm-hmm. What sort of, where did your research lead you in just him being from Waco and uh, what sort of overview can you give us? Uh, the coolest things there without kind of diving in it too much um, was he was born obviously 1931 in Waco and um, he went to AJ Moore High School, which is kind of cool there. His grandfather was the principal and his father was, I guess, the second principal at some point down there. Yeah. So it's a family that's been there for a while. Uh, also, the bit that's a little interesting is he uh, was a member of New Hope Baptist Church, and his father led the choir there. Um, and it's the same also uh, Jules Bledsoe, which, you know, right. obviously, uh, ev- well, hopefully everybody knows. I feel like if there's somebody else we can dive in after Tom Wilson, it's Jules Bledsoe. Uh, yeah, that's but, 100% accurate. Doreen but, can tell us a, a whole podcast. <laughs> <for all. laughs> Um, but he was a member of the church there too. So it's a nice little connection even to famous Wacoans is they're both members of the same church. Um, the, the biggest thing that I took away that I found the coolest was, um, I think it was Tom's uncle owned a laundromat of sorts and his uncle would invite local musicians over on like Saturdays, Sunday afternoons, and they would just have like these jam sessions and Tom would just sit around and listen to what was going on. And that's kind of where he developed his love for music. So his love for music was, you know, began and crafted here in Waco by the local artists that he would, you know, sit around and listen to play around. I think it was his uncle's laundromat. Wow. And, and just like the reverberations of that and like where that led to like how, you know, the music ended up being in this area. Like that's such an even like, it's a grandiose topic to think about, but yeah. uh, so very interesting at the same time. Let me correct myself real quick because I got ahead of myself. I said uncle, I meant grandfather who owned the laundry place. I just oh, wanted to correct myself before I went ahead and did that. It hit me afterwards. I realized I said uncle. I don't know why, but it was his grandfather that had it and that opened it and would invite the musicians over there. And he just kind of soaked in everything there. But yeah, it kind of speaks to how he was able to kind of hone everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Waco at that time was like a huge hub 
-hmm. just just for like anything really in general um just just being its location and pre uh tornadic issues of the 50s is tornadic a word tornadic i believe my uh <laughs> mike can you look up tornadic i don't think that's a word yeah, that is a word for you jacob that's that's 100 percent. thank you <laughs> so, <laughs> appreciate that i mean yeah totally he came out of the thriving waco not thriving waco because it was early 50s and we can all agree that was probably not thriving for him well, not, but not, not it, for that community probably. but it was a growing booming waco yeah, could you imagine? I mean, how did he? How did he get to Harvard? Do you know that? Like, how I read Wait, that. I think we should not oh. share that information oh. just yet. I think that is something we're gonna super dive into. Um, I'm very curious. Okay, well then I'm very very curious how he. Yeah. How did he get the? Because I read that he got an invitation to Harvard <laughs> Jazz, the the Jazz Academy, yeah. which is where he graduated. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so graduated how did he get? cum laude. So, cum laude. Yeah, I, I, I've also graduated cum laude, not from Harvard. Not from Harvard. Um, I almost graduated. I, graduated. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get accepted, but I almost graduated. <laughs> I, grew up, I, I graduated from the Harvard of the South, Georgia Southern. Oh. Nope, it's not, graduated it's not the Harvard of the from South. the uh, Harvard of Covers Cove, Covers Cove High School. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I feel like I have to step in here uh, <laughs> because as as hopefully the producer of this series that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think you're giving away way too much information. We need to I think so too. that back. I, yeah, I think I think we removed a bit about the Harvard. No, 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 no. I I think this stays in. I'm just saying, just whet their appetite. Yeah, I I agree. I did I actually didn't. Um... How did this man from Waco, Texas, end up on the cover of New York Times Magazine? Ooh. How did he end up there? How did he get invited to Harvard? How did he end up on the cover of New York Times Magazine? Then how did he? get back to Waco. And I'd I love think, to find that out. And I think that's exactly what we are going to dive into with uh, this series that we're working on as we speak. As you listen, <laughs> we're currently working on this series right now to give you those answers. I'm feverishly slicing things together back here. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah. My, my, okay, so just to give a timeline, on, and in 1968, September 29th, 1968, Tom Wilson was on the cover of New York Times Magazine. He died 1979, 1978? So I, I'm very curious what happened in those 10 years. I'm very curious to what happened between Waco and 1968. Um, I can't wait to fill in the blanks. Yeah, there's a lot of blanks and there's a lot of... Uh... Amazing stories. Oh, there's some great stories to fill those blanks. And uh, Zach, um, I think here uh, in, in closing, sort of, I, I just, I want to a, thank you for reaching out to us. Sign into our DMs. Yeah, you slid. You slid <laughs> our okay. formal DMs. It was actually an email. Most people slide into our like Instagram DMs. He gave a formal exactly. email. You're, it was, you're it very, was very, you're very professional. Yeah, slids. Yeah, uh, if I could say that. My, my, um, mother, my mother raised a, a you know a courteous man here. And, um, and B, uh, it's, 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 it's just an incredible story. And I, I, you know, regardless of, you know, what type of character Tom Wilson was, people need to know this story. Just, it, it, just this person that helped and was a pivotal character in, in the sound, like the quintessential sound of the 60s. You, you, you read off that list and it's like, this is what the 60s sounded like. The late, the mid to late sixties. Um, I mean, his his like, what what would you call it? A discography? Dis yeah, yeah disc discography. 
could literally be a best, best of the 60s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the Mothers of Invention, for example, I mean, come on. Uh, you could make this an album, and it would be a complete album. Yeah, like, literally. And, and here's the way that I've thought about this, and I don't know why I came up with this analogy today, and hopefully it works. So when it comes to producers in general, you know, I guess nowadays what I think of is like a big hip-hop producer. And you have guys that make beats and, you know, and produce. And you have like Mike Will, who you know, because on every single song, he has this little tag that he says where it's Mike Will made this. But, but he's, he's not one of the, the greats in a way. You can go back and you can look at like, you know, Jay Dilla and Dr. Dre and just all these great producers who, you know, kids nowadays don't know who they're listening to because it's, you know, called out there. It, there's a lot of great artists and a lot of great producers out there that people unfortunately never get to discover. And Tom Wilson is one of those where he had such an influential hand and was such a part of so many great things in music, but for some reason stayed behind the scenes a lot. He didn't necessarily give a lot of interviews. He was kind of a quiet guy. And because of that, that might've affected how some people know of him because he wasn't as brash as others out there of, I worked on this, I did this, hey, look at me kind of thing. Yeah, it doesn't mean though that the stories we don't have are crazy and the things that he didn't have were tremendous and just shaped the 60s in music. And I think it's going to be a very fun journey. And I think he might be the antithesis of DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna throw that out there. <laughs> not, not to knock DJ Khaled, but you know how he puts in, you know, you, DJ, you Khaled. DJ Khaled stamps every yes, single and that's, like five seconds of his And that's the thing, same thing I was thinking of when I thought of Mike Will, because everything has that Mike Will made this at the beginning of it. And yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. we get it, you know? It's uh, so that's why I, I brought that up as an example because you're right. I think that Tom Wilson is definitely the antithesis of those guys. <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, Zach, uh, amazing. Thank you for all your hard work, and uh, I can't wait to really just dive in and uh, let's do something really cool. Let's oh. let's let's do something really cool, but also like I'm actually really excited to figure that. I oh. really want to solve this mystery. Like, what happened? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah. I'm with you guys here and I'm looking forward to so much for us to be, you know, taking this journey and figuring everything out. And again, same as the first day when I emailed you guys, I think you are doing a fantastic job. And I just want to let y'all know that I support you guys and everything you are doing. I think it's fantastic. Thank you so much, Zach. I'm so excited. Thank can you I, too, producer Mike. Can I suggest something? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, um, how should we close let's, this out? Let's take your, uh, let's take your keep wake aloud van and can we paint it like the mystery machine yes. <laughs> while we're doing this? I now officially own the blue van, so we can do whatever we want, or at least yeah. I'm paying for the insurance. <laughs> yeah. Zach, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to do this. I think it, uh, I think it could be a really fun journey. Oh, I'm stoked too. Keep Wake Aloud, the podcast is produced by Oni Chan Productions. Our theme music is by Fish Hands. If you like what you hear, you should check them out on Bandcamp. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really like us, give us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or check out our website where you can buy merch or even see some local events coming up. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.